turn to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. If you're wondering where the gospel of Luke is, it's in your New Testament, in the second half of your Bible, and we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5 today. Praise God. Awesome. How many of you know it is good to be in the house of God? If you believe that, say amen. And we're glad to be here for our 1130 service. Praise God. We had an awesome time in our 930 service, but we always believe the best is yet to come. Turn your neighbor and say the best is yet to come. Praise God. We're doing a series here at Thrive that we're really excited about. It is called the God and Me Experience Message Series, all otherwise known as the game. Everyone say the game. And this series is all about one question, which is how do you experience more of God in your life? See, at Thrive, we really believe that God made you to experience him. That you weren't just made to know God from a distance or to know God on a philosophical or an intellectual level, but you were made to know God personally and up close. And the question we've been asking during the series is, how do you experience more of God in your life? A couple weeks ago, we talked about how do you experience more of God's peace when you're battling troubled thoughts? How do you experience more of God's peace when you're stressed out? And we've been talking about different ways that you can actually experience the hope of God, the peace of God, the purposes of God, the wisdom of God in your life. Have you guys been helped by this series so far that we've been doing? Yeah? Are you guys alive in this place this morning? Do I have a church of spectators, a church of participants? Say, I hope it's a church of participants. Turn neighbor, give my heaven and say, you look, like, you look like a participant to me. Amen. 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 We're going to go into the word of God together. We've got a very, very exciting message to share with all of you because we're doing the series called The God and Me Experience. Today, I've got a message to share with you that's possibly the most important message in this entire series of The God and Me Experience. See, over the past little while, these past few weeks, I've been sharing with you all these different secrets that I have to get to know God better. And you know, after the, the series is done, you're not going to need me anymore, right? Because I've shared pretty much everything I know, or almost everything that I know, about how to experience more of God in your life. Taught you different exercises that I do, little habits that I have that help me to connect with God during the week. And hopefully that's been helpful for, t- for you as well. Today, I want to share with you what is possibly the most important message in this series. Because today, I want to share with you what I consider to be the most important secret to experiencing God. The most important secret. And this secret is not a physical exercise that you do. It's not a phrase that you repeat. It's actually an attitude that you have as you approach your relationship with God. And what I, do, what I want to call this message this morning is out-of-the-way love. Out-of-the-way love. Everyone say out-of-the-way. See, the secret I want to share with you today is whether you are just exploring Christianity right now or you've been a Christian for many, many years, if you want to experience more of God, the most important secret to experiencing more of him is about going out of your way to meet with him. And see, over and over in the Bible, you're going to find different instances where people went out of their way to experience God. You got a guy called Zacchaeus, a short man, who when Jesus was coming through his city, he couldn't see past the crowd. And so what did he do? He went out of his way. He ran past the crowd. He climbed a sycamore tree so that when Jesus passed by, he could have a clear shot of Jesus. And when he saw Jesus and met Jesus, Jesus said, come down, Zacchaeus. I want to have lunch with you at your house. And as a result, he encountered God in a powerful way because he went out of his way. Everyone say out of his way. 
You know, you have a guy like a paralyzed man who really wanted to meet Jesus, but he couldn't get into the house where Jesus was preaching. The, pre- the, 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 the place where Jesus was preaching, the house that he was in was full to capacity. It was standing room only, and so he couldn't get in. But this man, he, had, he was paralyzed. He had four friends who said, well, let's do something. Let's go out of our way to meet Jesus. What did they do? They climbed up to the top of the roof. They grabbed some tools, and they, but they, they basically dug a hole in the owner of the house his roof, and then they, they basically lowered this paralyzed man down until he's staring at Jesus in the face. And there in that moment, he encounters Jesus. It's all because they went out of their way. Everyone say, out of their way. And the same way, I'm here to tell you today, if you want to experience more of God in your life, it's about going out of your way to meet with God. Let's look at Luke chapter 5, 12 to 16 together. Why don't you help me preach in this place this morning? When when we read scripture, why don't you read it with me? One, two, three, in a big loud voice, let's say, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. See what's going on here. See, here we have a story of a man who went out of his way to encounter and experience more of God in his life. And this man had a very special situation. He was suffering from leprosy. And I don't know if you know that much about leprosy. Back in Jesus' time, leprosy was an extremely serious disease. It was a disease of bacteria where you know you would be eaten alive from the inside out. It would cause you to be disfigured in your hands, in your feet, other parts of your body, your neck, your face. And it was an awful disease where if you were not treated for that leprosy, you could eventually die from that leprosy. If you want to know how serious leprosy can be, you can just Google you know images of people who suffer from leprosy and see just how serious this disease is. And even to this day, in certain developing countries, leprosy is still an issue. There's a man in Luke chapter 5 who comes to Jesus, and he is covered in leprosy. And, and this man, he is so desperate for healing that he comes to Jesus. He falls at his feet and says, Lord Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And the thing you've got to understand about lepers back in Jesus' day is that if you were a leper, if you suffered from leprosy, you couldn't live a normal life like everybody else. If you had leprosy, you weren't allowed to live in the, in the town like everybody else. You couldn't go to the marketplace to grab groceries. You couldn't live near your family and friends. You couldn't go to the temple to worship God, you had to live outside the camp. You had to go out of the city, and that's where you stayed. And until the day when you didn't have leprosy, that was when you could come back in. And see, this leper, he's, he's struggling with leprosy. He's got these torn clothes, because every leper, they would have to tear their clothes to show that people who are coming from a distance could see, oh, that's a leper, stay away from him. And not just that, when a leper saw that someone was approaching them, he would have to say something. Do you know what he'd have to yell out? If he saw someone coming by, he would have to say, unclean, unclean. And what that was, was a warning to that person to say, stay away from me. I have leprosy. What a difficult life it was to be a leper in Jesus' day. And see, what happens is Jesus, he's walking into, in one of the towns in Judea, and all of a sudden, a leper is in the town. He's not supposed to be there. 
He's not, so, he's not allowed in the city, but because this leper is so desperate to be healed, he probably had a cloak over him. He probably covered as much of him as he could. He probably t- put on maybe some different clothes so that people didn't recognize him. But then he comes to Jesus, and when he, when, he, he, when he calls up to Jesus, Jesus can see that this man is covered in leprosy. And this man goes up to Jesus and says, Lord Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You know, he went out of his way to meet Jesus. That's how much he needed him. And maybe you're here today, and you don't suffer from leprosy, but there's something that is eating you up on the inside. Maybe it's worry. You're just constantly worried about something in your life that you can't control, something about your future, maybe your health, maybe the health of someone you love, and you are worried and scared about what's going to happen, and it's eating you up from the inside. Maybe what's eating up on the inside today is bitterness. You're so angry at someone who did something to you or said something about you, and you still have never forgiven them, and as a result, that bitterness is eating you up on the inside. Maybe what's eating up on the inside is not bitterness or worry, but maybe it's this feeling, this nagging, haunting feeling of emptiness, where you're just like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I even here? You're starting to question your purpose in life. You feel lost. You feel confused. And this nagging feeling that eats away at you. If that is you today, then can I tell you this? Just like this leper, we need to go to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who does what no one else can do. He can make you clean. If you believe that, say amen. Look at verse 13. It says, Jesus, look at verse 13. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing. He said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And see, Jesus, what, what we see in here is that Jesus, he's full of love and he's full of power. You know, when you go through a problem, it's nice when you have people who love you and support you. But if they've got no, no power to help you, there's only so much they can do. There's other people who might be full of power, full of connections, have all these resources, but if they don't love you or have compassion for you, then they're not going to help you with their power. Jesus is one who's full of love and full of power. And when he sees this leper, he sees him with eyes of love, and he touches this man. This man who was not supposed to be touched. In love, he reaches out his hand, and he touches this man. And this man is maybe touched for the very first time since maybe he was a child. And, you know, they say that the very first sense a baby develops in the womb is a sense of touch. And this man, he's touched for the first time because Jesus loves this man. And not only did Jesus love this man, but Jesus, with a word, he says, I'm willing, be clean. And that moment, by the power of his word, this man's leprosy is healed. And see, what can we learn from all of this? See, the Bible says that all of us have a sickness. It's not leprosy but it's called something called sin. That sin, almost like leprosy, it eats us out from the inside. It it isolates us from people. It separates us from God. If nothing is done about our sin, eventually it's going to kill us, and we'll be separated from God forever. You and I, we can't do anything to cure our sin. There's nothing we can do. There's no medicine that we can take that we can develop on our own. But see, because God loved us, because he didn't want to be separated from us because of our sin, God sent the only medicine that could help us. His name is Jesus. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins and my sins. 
and he died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven, so that our sins could be canceled and washed away. And Jesus, he died, he rose again on the third day to show that he had power over sin. And as a result, anyone who placed their trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says they cross over from death to life. It's because that's what Jesus does for you and for me. Jesus is the medicine for our sin. If you believe that, give Jesus a big hand in this this place right now. And see, just like with a word, Jesus heals this leper. With a word, Jesus heals us of our sin. He says in John 15, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. What's the word that Jesus speaks? The word is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Can I tell you this? God has made provision for your sin. His name is Jesus. Every other faith, philosophy, and religion is going to tell you, oh, you can cure yourself. If you're good enough, if you try hard enough, then you can cure yourself of your sin. The fact is you can't, but the fact is you don't have to because Jesus Christ came to cure us of every, every issue that sin came to destroy us with. And because of that, we have a way back to God. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Give God a big, big shout in this place right now. Come on. Turn to neighbor and say, I'm so glad to have Jesus. Amen. Look at verse 14. What does verse 14 say? Verse 14, it says, Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell, hey, church, where'd you go? Are you guys reading with me? Let's read with me. Here you go. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourselves to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Let me ask you a question. If Jesus completely healed this man of leprosy, why does he still bother to tell this man to go to a priest for cleansing? Why? You got to understand this, is that just because in Jesus' time you were healed of leprosy, that doesn't mean you could come back into society right away. In fact, if you read the law of Moses, Leviticus 13, Leviticus 14, it'll talk about these rules for what happens with lepers. Is that if you have a leper who's healed of their leprosy, that they need to first go to the priest, and the priest has to examine them, has to examine their skin, has to check that there's no more leprosy on them, and then in front of everyone at the tent of meeting, in front of everyone, he will declare, this man is now clean, he can now enter back into society. He can now go back and live a normal life like everybody else. It was a declaration that they would make so that everyone knew that this man is healed and this man can come back. And so what does that tell you about Jesus? Is that Jesus doesn't just care about your physical health. Jesus also cares about the health of your relationships. He cares about all of you, every part of you. And and Jesus, he came not just to cleanse you of your sin. Jesus came to give you a full and abundant life. If you believe that, say amen. That's why Jesus says in John 10, he says, you know, the thief, he's talking about the devil, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Jesus came that you might have abundant life. And when we do things Jesus' way, when we follow his word, we start to experience more and more of what that abundant life is all about. Look at verse 15. See, verse 15 says, yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. 
see what's going on. This is a turning point in Jesus' life. Is that now, because people have heard about this amazing healing, people are now flocking to Jesus. They're like, oh, heal my child. Heal my mother-in-law. Heal this person. Heal that person. And they will go out to Jesus to find him, to, to hear from him and what he had to say. And all of a sudden, life became extremely busy for Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus is being pulled in a thousand different directions. And life is becoming stressful. And so what does Jesus do? Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, read it with me, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In other words, every night and every early morning, Jesus would go out of his way to leave the demands, the stress, the busyness of his life and spend time with his heavenly father. See, a lot of people who are busy or think they're busy, they'll say, oh, I'm too busy to pray. Jesus' mentality was, I am too busy not to pray. I'm too busy not to have some time in the presence of my Heavenly Father. And for two reasons, he does that. One is for stress relief. How do you guys know there's no stress relief like the relief we find when we get in the presence of God? If you believe it, say, amen. You know, the relief you get from stress when you come to the presence of God is better than what you get from watching Netflix. It's better than what you get from hanging out with friends. It's better than the, the, the stress relief you get from going to the gym. All those things are fine, but if you really want to experience peace, it's about going to God. And that's what Jesus does. In the midst of his stress, he doesn't just like, sit, out, sit and veg out in front of a screen. He goes to his heavenly Father. But there's a second reason why I believe Jesus would go to his heavenly father as often as he did. Go into lonely places and pray. Do you want to know why? I didn't realize this until many, many years later. It's not just for stress relief. The reason why Jesus would go out of his way to lonely places and pray is because he missed home. He missed home. See, Jesus, remember, he's the son of God. And for eternity, he has been in heaven in the presence of his father. And now, for this short period of time, for 30 to 33 years, he's here on earth. And he's now having a long-distance relationship with his heavenly father, where the only time he can be in his presence is really when he's there in lonely places and praying. And if you've ever been in a situation before where there's someone you love, and you can't be beside them, you can't be right there with them, and so you have to use you know, different ways to connect with them long distance. You have to use Skype or use email, use FaceTime, or use some other way, write a letter, you know what we're talking about. See, Jesus, he's now having this long-distance relationship with his father, and he misses home. And so that's why every chance he got, he would go to lonely places and pray. He didn't have an iPhone, but he still had his FaceTime. He would have his FaceTime face-to-face with his heavenly father. If you believe that, say amen. And that's why Jesus would often withdraw to lonely places and pray. And I'm here to tell you this today. You know, one of the things I love is the message translation, which reads it this way. Read, Luke, read 15, 16, 5, 5, 16. Read it with me loud voice. One, two, three. It says, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Everyone say, out of the way. Listen to me right now. Just as the leper went out of his way to meet God, and he experienced God in a powerful way. Just as Jesus would go out of his way to spend time with his heavenly father, and he'd experience the presence and the power of his heavenly father. In the same way, if you want to experience more of God in your life, it's about going out of your way to meet with God. Now, why is that? Why is it so important to go out of your way? Let me tell you, when you go out of your way to meet with God, four things happen. Four things. And these are four reasons why you and I, we need to go out of our way to meet with God. Why don't you take some good notes today and write this down. Reason number one, when you go out of your way to meet with God, you bless God more. You bless God more. Hey, believe it or not, God 
has emotions. God has a heart. And you can touch God's heart. You can move God's heart with what you do, with what you say, and how you live. Let me put it another way. When you go out of your way to love another person, you bless that person so much more. The same goes for God. See, let me give you an example. Uh, You know, say Pastor Charlene, who's lovely, uh, is coming into the house and she's sporting a new haircut. She's got a new haircut. Um, there's a few things that could happen in that situation, right? The first is that uh, you know, I ask her, hey, Shar, good to see you. How's your day? Oh, is it good? I, I got a haircut. And then hearing, oh, I got a haircut. Like, oh, nice haircut. That's really nice. You look really good. You look really good. It was, oh, thank you. Thank you. Right? That, that's the first thing that happened. The second thing that can happen is that she tells me she got a haircut, and I say nothing, okay? There's a third thing that could happen, which is that she says, she, she walks in the door, and before she mentions anything about a haircut, I'll be like, baby, you look good. Did you get a haircut or something? You look so good. I love that hair on you. That looks so good. And if, you're, if you're the girl, if you're Pastor Shar, which one would bless you the most? Of course, when I go out of my way to compliment her. If you believe that, say amen. Amen, right? And that's the thing, is, you know, compliments that are polite are, are nice. You know, compliments that, you know, where, where it's expected, it's nice, but it's when you don't expect it. When you go out of your way, that's when it especially blesses you. If I'm making sense, let's play, say amen. Can you think of a time when someone went out of their way to bless you, to encourage you, to spend time with you? Not because it was convenient. Not because, uh, you know, you just happened to be there. Not because it was the polite thing to do, but they just did it because they love you and they did it because they want to go out of their way. You know, last week, for example, there's one lovely family that came in and uh, I was greeting people at the door. And, Hi, good to see you, good to see you. Hi, good morning, good to see you. Good to see you. And, and then there's this one family that came in and, and he came in with this box. And I was like, hey, good morning. And, and, and he was like, hey, good morning, Pastor. Hey, this is for you. And I was like, oh, why? And, and he said, oh, it's because, you know, we see you and Pastor Charlene. You guys are running around a lot very often during Sundays after service. And I, we're afraid you don't have much of a chance to eat. So we, we got you some special snacks, which are just for you. And we, I was like, oh, that was so touched. I, I, saw, I saw the box said, for Pastor JB and family. And I was just so blessed by the fact that they would go out of their way to think of us when they really didn't have to. If you believe that, say Amen. And a couple of weeks ago, it was Chinese New Year, and there's another, there's another couple families that came up to us and go, hey, Pastor JV, we're so blessed by what you and Pastor Shar are doing, and we just want to give something to, to Bradley for, for, for Chinese New Year, and so happy Chinese New Year. And I was like, man, you guys didn't have to do that. But the fact that they went out of the way to do so meant so much to us. How many of us know that you can bless people, especially when you go out of the way? Amen. You know, people who, you know, I want to thank those of you who, who go out of your way to, to, you know, express thanks or encouragement to me. You know, after a message, you'll, you'll, you might text me or Facebook me and go, hey, awesome message. Thanks so much for that. You know, it's always nice when we see people in passing. Oh, good message. Thanks so much. And that's always great. That's always fun. That's always, that's always a blessing. But it's especially meaningful when someone goes out of the way. Everyone say out of the way. And just as you and I are blessed when people go out of the way to bless us, how many guys know the same goes for God. God is blessed when you go out of your way to meet him. See, like you, I like to multitask. Do you guys like to multitask? And so, you know, I like to be as efficient as I can during the day because I I think I'm a busy guy. And so I love to pray while I'm driving. 
I, I love to pray when I'm running on a treadmill. I, I love to pray when I'm working at stuff. You know, I love to pray even in, when I'm in the bathroom. And, I, and, you know, and I've, I've had some good moments of prayer in all those places. And as your pastor, if that's what you do, I encourage you to keep on doing that. I encourage you to incorporate as much of God into your daily, ordinary stuff that you do as you can. If you're on the subway, pray to God. If you, you know, you're working out, pray to God. If you're like making dinner, pray to God. If, you, you know, if you're you know, you know, in, in bed, pray to God. You want to incorporate more and more time with God because the more time you give God, the more room you give him to work in your life. If you believe that, say amen. But let me also give you a warning. See, this is the thing. If the only time that you spend with God is while you are doing something else, while you're on your way to this place, or while you're doing this as you're spending time with God, can I tell you, there will always be a ceiling on how much you're going to experience God in your life. There will always be a ceiling. And it's because God looks at your heart. And he looks and he's focused on how much does this person want me? Is he here because it's convenient? Or is he going out of his way? Look at Proverbs 5, 21 with me. Proverbs 5, 21 says it this way. In a loud voice, read it with me. It says, for a man's ways are in full view of the Lord. And he examines all his paths. Let me ask you a question. When you look at the time that you spend with God, whether it's in church or it's on your own, when you look at the time you spend with God, is it time that you go out of your way to spend? Or is it time that's based on convenience? Oh, it's the easy thing to do. It's, it's there anyways. I'll just do it anyways. See, the answer to, your, to that question is going to determine how much of God you experience in your life. It's because when you go out of your way to meet with God, you bless God's heart. That's the first reason. It's reason number two. Write this down. When you go out of your way to meet with God, he shares more of himself with you. See, I used to live in Toronto, and back then I, I, I went to a fairly large church that was located in a residential area of Toronto. And so parking was very tough to find. Very often people would be circling the, the property to find parking. One day, it was snowing very, very heavily. Not Vancouver snow, not just like, you know, the few centimeters that we, we, we panic about, but it was like Toronto snow, okay? If you know what I'm talking about, Toronto snow. And it was big, heavy snow, man, on that day. I remember I was in service, and I looked outside, and across the street, directly across from our church building, there was this old man, he's a Greek man, who is maybe in his 60s or 70s, and he's shoveling all this heavy snow. And, you know, my heart kind of went out to him. I didn't have much else to do. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll go and help him out. So I, I crossed the street. And I said, hey, sir, um, do you need some help? Do you have an extra shovel? And he's like, sure. And he went into the garage. He grabbed me this huge shovel. And we started to shovel snow together. And for the next half hour, I'm shoveling snow. We're shoveling his driveway. We're shoveling his sidewalk. We're shoveling the path toward his house. We're shoveling the, the, the little ledge in front of his door. And, and, you know, he was so blessed by that little gesture, the fact that I'd go out of my way. He brought me into his house. He sat me down. He started to get to know me. He introduced himself. He, he fed me some cookies. And at the end, you know what he said? It was kind of funny because on his, on his driveway, he has a sign that says no church parking because I guess maybe he's had some experiences in the past but despite that, he said to me, he looks at me and goes, um, anytime you want to park here, you can park in my driveway. And you know what happened? As a result, I had the best parking space of everyone who attended the church, even better than the pastors. And I'd, I'd park across the street in this driveway, and people were like, doesn't he say no church parking? I'm like, oh, he's my friend. I know him. And why is that? It's because, get this, get this. What's the lesson here? 
because I went out of my way to love that man. He shared something of himself with me that he would not normally share with other people. In the same way, when you go out of your way to love God and to meet with God, it touches God's heart in such a way that he will want to share stuff with you that he might not normally share with someone who's a stranger to him. If you believe that, say amen. See, that's how God works. God is not just this abstract idea, but he has emotions. You can touch his heart. And when you go out of your way to meet with God and you touch his heart, he will share more of himself with you because he trusts you. And see, look at Exodus 33, verse 7 and 11 with me right now. Read it in a loud voice. It says, Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Stop right there. Stop right there. See, Moses, everyone say, Moses. Moses, he is the leader of Israel, and he goes out of his way to spend time with God. In fact, he brings with him a tent, and he pitches the tent outside the camp. He goes out of his way to spend time with God every single night, and he goes into that tent, and he calls, he even has a nickname for that place. He calls it, this is my tent of meeting. It's where I meet with God. And, and see, what happens is, verse, look, look at verse 11. What does it say? Read it with me loud voice. One, two, three, it says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. See, because Moses would go out of his way to meet with God, God saw that and goes, I like that attitude. This guy really wants to get to know me. I trust this guy. And so I'm going to share with this guy in a way that I don't share with other people. I'm going to speak to this guy in a way that I don't speak to other people. I'm not going to speak top down to this guy. I'm going to speak to him as a friend speaks to a friend. If you believe that, say amen. And see, what is the lesson there? Is when you go out of your way to meet with God, He shares more of himself with you. Could it be that the reason why you've been a Christian for so long and yet your relationship with God is still pretty superficial and God hasn't really shared that much of his heart and himself with you, could it be because you haven't gone out of your way to spend time with him? You've just done what is convenient. You've just done what is easy. You've just done what your feelings tell you to do. If that's you in this place, I'm here to tell you it's time to go out of your way because when it comes to experiencing more of God, when it comes to God revealing himself to you, the most important question is actually not, do you trust God? That's not the most important question. When it comes to experiencing more of God and God sharing himself with you, the most important question is not, do you trust God? The most important question is, does God trust you? Does God trust you? Does you do you have a heart where when God looks at you, he goes, you know what? I can trust you with this very precious part of me so that if I expose myself, I know that you're not going to take it for granted. If I expose myself, I know you're not going to abuse it or forget about it or ignore it or trample on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself to you in a way because you went out of your way and I trust you as a result. That's reason number two. When you go out of your way to meet with God, he shares more of himself with you. Reason number three. This is so important. This is so good in this place. Amen? Is this good? Praise God, man. I'm preaching well in this place. Amen? Praise God. You guys are blessed. You guys are blessed. We're very blessed. Amen. Number three, when you go out of your way to meet with God, you treasure God more. When you go out of your way to meet with God, you treasure God more. Let me tell you a little story. When Pastor Charlene was pregnant with that little boy right there, um, this is a few years ago, uh, when Pastor Charlene was pregnant with Bradley, um, I had this weird habit. Do you know what that weird habit was? Can I tell you? Okay, this word habit was this. When Bradley was still in Charlene's tummy, every night and every morning, 
I would do this. I would get up, just pretend that this is Charlene's tummy, okay? Okay, just slight bump, okay? I, I go like this, I go, well, hello there. This is Daddy. How's it going? Thanks for being such a great baby. Thanks for being such a great boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daddy loves you very much. Yeah, Mommy loves you very much too. And God loves you the most. Yeah, can't wait to see you. Have fun in there. Praying God's peace and his protection over you. Yeah, I love you very much. I'm serious. That's probably word for word what I would say. Okay? And um, why would I do that? It's because I don't know how much Bradley heard inside. I don't know if it all just sounded more like, like Dory in Finding Nemo. Ooh, I don't know what he got from that. But I can tell you that after day after day and night after night of doing that and going out of my way to speak to Bradley and to meet with him in that moment, something was happening in my heart where my heart started to get softer and softer toward this baby where my heart was becoming more and more attached to this baby who was not even born. And when the time came for you know, him to be born and we saw him face to face, it was like he wasn't a stranger to me. In that moment, it was like, this is it's almost like going to the airport and picking someone up that you've, heard, that, that you've talked to for a long time, and now you see them face to face, and you get to hold them, and to kiss them, and to hug them for real, and, and, and that, that's what happened with me, is that somehow in the process of me going out of my way to spend time with my son that way, I treasured my son even more. If you believe that, say amen. And there was a closeness that I felt because of that. And you know, maybe for those of you who've never gotten anyone pregnant, it's hard to relate to that. Uh, so let me share with you another example, okay? Here's, here's another one. Sometimes I'll write cards, maybe to my mom on Mother's Day, my dad on Father's Day, to maybe my sister on her birthday, uh, maybe to Pastor Shar, maybe to Bradley, maybe to a friend. And has this ever happened to you before? Is that you're just kind of going through the card and you're writing this card and saying, you know, thank you so much for being who you are. Thank you so much for the difference you've made. And as you start giving attention and thought and you're going out of your way to think about this person, all of a sudden you start to get a little emotional. All of a sudden you start to get a little bit sentimental. All of a sudden you start to think about, man, this person is so special to me. And I'm so lucky and blessed to have this person in my life. And see what happened there. Did that person do anything in those last five minutes that was different? No. Did that person change in any way in those last five minutes? No. What changed in those last five minutes was that you turned your attention and you went out of your way to look at that person. Amen. And all of a sudden, something happens in your heart where you are so much more thankful for that person. You treasure that person so much more. And can I tell you this? The same goes with God. Is that when you go out of your way to meet with God, Will you consciously, intentionally, not because it's convenient, not because it's easy, not even because you feel like doing it, but you just go because you know that's what I need to do. When you do that, something happens in your heart. Something happens where you start to treasure God that much more. You start to be more attached to God because of it. There's a closeness you develop with God just from the fact of you going out of your way to spend time with him. If you believe that, say amen. Job 23, verse 12 says it this way. Read with me loud voice. One, two, three, it says, I have not departed from the commands. Hello, church. Are you guys here today? Hello? Let's read together. One, two, three, it says, I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more 
than my daily bread. See, this is Job talking. What is he saying? He's saying, because I go out of my way to love God and fear God and meet with God and honor God, therefore, I treasure his words even more than my daily bread. It's because when you go out of your way to meet with God, all of a sudden, you treasure him more. He means more to you as a result. If you believe that, say amen. Number four, when you go out of your way to meet with God, you give God more room to work in and through your life. You know, when I was in grade 11, something happened in my life that has impacted me to this day. Uh, in grade 9, a couple years before, I became a Christian. Uh, I surrendered my life to Jesus, asked him to forgive me of my sins, invited Jesus into my heart, and from that day forward, the Bible says the Holy Spirit started living on the inside of me. I was still really immature in a lot of different ways, still had so much growing up to do, but I had the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. And I started to do some of the, the things that we talk about here at Thrive. We, we have our game time. Back then, we didn't call it game time. Back then, we called it quiet time or daily devotionals, right? Um, that's why we named it game time, right? It just sounds a little cooler. And, and here's the thing is that you, I would have my time with God where I'd, I'd learn to read the Bible and I'd learn to pr- uh, pray a little bit. I'd learn to do what I taught you guys two weeks ago. I'd do the store up where I'd store up God's commands in my heart and learn to memorize scripture. But back in grade 11, I remember I really wanted to grow more and go, get to know God more. And I realized that my prayer life wasn't, you know, the, a, a very strong part of my relationship with God. Where, you know, I, I read the Bible a lot, but I wouldn't pray a lot. I'd pray before meals and I'd pray with people in church, but I didn't really have that close of a prayer life with God. And you know, it was something that was stirring on the inside of me in grade 11 to say, you know, I, I need to spend more time with God. I had a friend who was also growing in his relationship with God. And we decided to make a pact together. We said our agreement was, you know, every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, at 9.30 at night, no matter what we're doing at that moment, we're going to stop what we're doing, and we're going to pray for half an hour on our own. And um, that, was the, that was our commitment. 9.30 was our time to pray to God from 9.30 to 10 o'clock. No matter what we're doing, we'd stop it, and we'd do it. And, and this is the thing. At first, it was hard. At first, I even forgot at certain points. I was like, oh, man, it's 9.45. But then eventually, I started getting into it. 9.30. I might be, how many of us know that 9.30 is like prime time? Amen? 9.30 is prime time for doing homework. 9.30 is prime time for studying for exams. 9.30 is prime time for some of, the, some of my favorite TV shows at the time. 9.30 is prime time to be talking to friends. And so whatever it is I was doing, I just kind of have to stop that. And I'd go into my room. I'd, I'd sit down in my closet. And I'd just spend time with God. And I'd just sit down in his presence. I'd just spend time with God. And, and for those next few minutes, from 9.30 to 10, I'd just be telling God about my problems or telling God about my worries. Sometimes I'd just worship God. I'd put on some worship music. I'd just start listening to worship music and, and worshiping God. Sometimes I'd just be still in God's presence. I'd just kind of just sit there and just, just, just enjoy the presence of God. Sometimes I'd have a, a list of people or things I was praying about. I'd, I'd get on my knees and I'd start praying over those different things. You know, sometimes, to be honest, sometimes I fell asleep. And sometimes I'd be like, and I'd wake up again on, and, and I'd, I'd, I'd try to pray a little bit more. And you know, something happened in that moment from 9.30 to 10 o'clock, is that the more and more I went out of my way, the more and more I found myself falling in love with the Holy Spirit. The more I found that, man, when I spend time with God this way, it's like I feel like he is strengthening me. He's giving me ideas. He's giving me these new 
visions for my life. I, I felt like, you know, I, would, I could go into a time of prayer kind of stressed and worried about a whole bunch of stuff and, and really kind of in my own world and I get into the presence of God and, and I can leave that time with God and go back refreshed, at peace, confident. And just, it was like, it was like someone had put me through a car wash and I'm, and I'm just like all fresh again. And what happened was that 9.30 time became like date night between me and God. And one of the most special times that even to this day has a very special impact on me. In fact, I taught you about the sit-down two, three weeks ago. That's where the sit-down came from. Is, is this where I would start to sit in front of God and just be in his presence. And it was there that, you know, God started putting dreams in my heart. Dreams of, you know, God, I'd one day love to be a pastor. God, one day I'd love to see a church rise up in the city of Vancouver with people young and old who just love to worship Jesus, who are alive and expectant and involved and out loud and united. And all those things came from that time at 9.30 to 10.30 when I was in grade 11. And I learned something from that whole experience, which is this, and you can write it down, is that God goes out of his way to empower those who go out of their way to meet with him. God goes out of his way to empower those who go out of their way to meet with him. Second Chronicles 16.9 says it this way. We with a loud voice. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. He watches to see where is your heart. And if your heart is there, I want to meet with you. I want to go out of my way to do so. Then God is like, I would love to give you a little bit more hope just right now. I'd love to dispense a little bit more joy in your life right now. I'd love to give you a little bit more peace in your heart right now. He, he does it because he sees your heart and says, right now, I may give it to you because you are committed to me. If you believe that, say amen. Look at Psalm 81 verse 10. What does it say? It says, I am the Lord your God. Church, are you guys here in this place this morning? Yeah? Yeah? Okay, let's read together. One, two, three, it says, I am who brought you up out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth, and I will fill it. See, in other words, as much room as you give God, when you go out of your way to give God room in your life, he comes and he fills it with himself. He comes and he fills it with his peace. He comes and he fills it with new vision for your life. He comes and fills it with new joy for your life that you didn't have before. Those are the things that happen when you go out of your way to meet with God, is that you bless God, you touch his heart, you let him know that you can be trusted, and so he shares more of himself with you. You go out of your way to meet with God, and you treasure God more. Your heart is more attached to him, and when you go out of your way to meet with God, you find that he blesses you with more power and strength because you've given more room to God to work in your life. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand and shout in this place right now. Come on. Amen. Amen. 1130 service. This is the most alive you've been in a month. Praise God. Amen. Turn person and give them a high and say, we really are alive. Amen. Amen. Let's keep on being alive. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to end today with looking at some nitty-gritty stuff. Has it been helpful for all of you this morning? Yeah? Praise God. I want to end today by giving you some really practical suggestions on how do you go out of your way to meet with God? How do you do that? Let me give you a few suggestions. Maybe in your mind right now, you already know there's a couple things that you need to start doing to go out of your way. Do those things. But let me give you three more suggestions that are going to help you this morning. How do you go out of your way to meet with God? Number one, take a baby step. Take a baby step. Right now, I've got something very, very precious to me that I'm going to share with you. And just goes to show how precious you guys are to me. Uh, some of you guys have seen this, but a lot of you haven't. Are you guys ready to see it? Are you guys ready to see it? Okay, here we go. Um, this I only show to people that I love a lot, all right? So this just goes to show how much you guys are loved, all right? This is a video of when Bradley, my son, was taking his first steps. Okay? Are you guys ready? 
All right? Okay, I filmed it myself, and so if the camera isn't very clear, then you know why. But uh, this is it. Uh, check this out. Doing very well. All right, today is July 6th, 2013. Bradley taking his first few steps. All right, and he's tired. Yeah. All right, can we give Bradley a big hand in this place right now, praise God? <laughs> I love that part where after he takes those few steps, he kind of goes prostrate that way. I, I, I often wonder, what does that mean? Like, is he, is, he, is he tired, or is he worshiping Jesus? He's going out of his way to go, thank you, Jesus. I took my first few steps. Thank you, Lord. And I asked him today, and he told me, Bradley said, what do you say, Bradley? He said, um, he said, oh, yeah, when I was doing that, I was taking a bow. <laughs> he was taking a bow at the end of those first few steps. Praise God for that. See, how many of us know that there's something very powerful about taking a baby step? You know, you don't climb a mountain by taking one huge step, but you climb a mountain by taking many, many thousands of baby steps. Very often, the first baby step is the hardest one to take. It's the most important one. But once you take that first step, you're able to take another and another and another. Yeah, that's why, you know, when I go to the gym, you know what the hardest step is for me? The hardest step for me in the gym is that moment when I'm staring at the treadmill and I'm thinking, should I go on this or not? And, but finally, when I get on, oh, oh, yeah, take another step and another step. And eventually, I'm running, and I'm going fast, and it's like, wow, I'm so glad I took that first baby step. Everyone say baby step. And the same goes for spending time with God and going out of your way. Is It all starts with taking a baby step. You know, for some, for like sometimes, you know, uh, at night, especially on a Sunday night, you know, it'll be a long day where you know, I've preached a couple services, and we've been serving all day. Pastor Shar's been serving and teaching and, and all that as well, and, and we've spent time with the family. We'll put Bradley down to sleep, and then I'll have this time where I'm just sitting on the bed, and before I go and do some other stuff that I want to do, I've been waiting to do all week, there'll sometimes be these moments where I'll just be like, you know, let me just, I know I've had my game time already. I know we've preached a couple services. I know we've read but a lot of this already, but let me just spend just a minute with God right now. Just a baby step, just a minute with God right now. And so often, when I take that little baby step, and I just sit on my bed or sit on the couch or sit on the floor, and I take that minute to spend time with God, how often is it that that one minute becomes two minutes? That two minutes becomes five minutes? And that five minutes becomes ten minutes? And it's just this joy to spend time in the presence of God. And it all started with a single baby step. Everyone say, a baby step. Look at Exodus 23, verse 30 with me right now. One, two, three, it says, Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. Everyone say little by little. It's talking about baby steps. Look at another one. Look at Deuteronomy 7.22. What does it say? It says, The Lord your God will drive you out, those, will drive out those nations before you, little by little. You will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals will multiply around you. Everyone say little by little. These verses are teaching us that when God expands your territory, he does it little by little. Some of you are here in this place, and you are facing a big mountain right now. And you are trying to beat that mountain in one big step. 
You're trying to think, oh, what's the, be- the, what's the easiest, quickest, simplest, shortest way that I can get over this mountain? Oh, let me just take one step if I can and get over this entire mountain. But that's not how you get over mountains. The way you get over a mountain is you take one step after another, after another. You take thousands of little baby steps, and it might not seem like you're doing very much at first, but over time, as you keep on taking a baby step, you're climbing higher and higher and higher, and you're getting stronger and stronger until you can see at the top of the mountain, hey, this was not so bad after all. If I'm making sense of this place, give God a big, big hand here in this place. It's about learning to take baby steps with God. Some of you in this place, the reason why you're so frustrated right now, the reason why you're so unsuccessful at beating that problem right now is because you're so focused on one giant step. But I'm going to tell you this right now. If you want to overcome that mountain that's in front of you, it's not about one giant step. It's taking one baby step at a time. Spending a little bit of time with Jesus today. Spending a little bit of time with Jesus tomorrow. Spending a little bit of time meditating on his promises today. Don't expect that in one day you spend time with God once and it should all be done. It's all complete. I'm totally cured of my depression. I don't have any more worries anymore. No, it's little by little. Everyone say little by little. Some of you guys, you've been Christians for maybe a few months or a year and you're still, you still haven't grown because you haven't taken the time to work out what God has given you. You're still basically in the same place. It's time, I'm here to tell you today, it's time to put one step in front of the other and take baby steps so you can start growing in your relationship with God and beat the mountain that's in front of you. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. Come on. Turn your neighbor and say, you can do this. Amen. Look at Proverbs 13, 11. One, two, three, it says, dishonest money dwindles away. Hello, church. Follow me here. One, two, three, it says, dishonest money, but the one who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Everyone say little by little. Little by little, day by day, God is with me. Praise God. You know, when you take a baby step in your relationship with God, doing things that maybe you weren't used to doing before, that's when you start to grow. It's not waiting for a feeling to overcome you when you are in service, but it's about, you know, taking those little steps. So proud of so many of you who in the past year, you've started to take baby steps in your relationship with God. You might be a new Christian. You got baptized a few months ago, and now you are taking steps to God where you're spending time with God every day, having what we call a game time with God. Some of you guys, you didn't go to church before, but then a few months ago, you came to Sweet and Honey series, or you came to our Christmas service, and now you've decided, I'm going to take a baby step. I'm going to spend time with God every Sunday. I'm going to go to church every Sunday. I'm going to protect that time with God. I'm not going to let anything else get in the way. I'm not going to sleep in. I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not just going to travel here and there and miss my time with God, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and be there because I want to take a baby step with God. Some of you guys are starting to do the store up where you're starting to memorize scripture and store it up in your heart. So proud of so many of you guys who've been doing those things because what are you doing? You're taking baby steps to go out of your way to spend time with God. If you believe it, say amen. You know, Lee Strobel, he is, uh, you know, a very, very famous author these days. But Lee Strobel, back in, uh, you know, the, the 80s and I think the 70s, he was the legal editor of a Chicago newspaper, and he was a staunch atheist, big-time atheist, who was so anti-Christ, so anti-Christian, so anti-Bible, everything. And, 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 you know, one day, there was a turning point in his life where his wife, who wasn't a Christian, became a Christian. And this, ba- this, this baby Christian, this wife, started to grow more and more in her walk with God. And, and, and this, this, this guy, Lee Strobel, starts to notice a change in his wife. And he decides, you know, I need to start going to church as well. Or I've I, I got to get really, like, I, I've got all these questions. I've got all these objections. He started to write every one of them down. 
and decided he's going to take a baby step. Instead of just assuming that he knows it all already. Assuming that, oh yeah, you know, Christianity is garbage. Christianity is, is rubbish. He decided, you know what, let me take a baby step and actually explore the evidence for all these claims that I have questions with. And he starts to explore them bit by bit, one by one, baby step after baby step. And at the end of that process, he realized, man, there is so much evidence for Jesus and for believing in him that I would be stupid not to believe in him now. I, there, there's more, I, I, it's like I, would, I, I need to have more faith to believe not in Jesus than to believe in Jesus. It, it's almost like that's, that's, that's what it came to. And, and, and eventually he gave his life to Christ and he's still serving God with his wife to this day. And it all started with a baby step. Everyone say, a baby step. Let me ask this question. What is a baby step that God wants you to take this week? Maybe you already started the game challenge and you finished the game challenge. Can I tell you this? What's the next step? Keep on going with the game challenge. Keep on going. Keep on adding to your workout with God because you're working out the salvation that God has given to you. If you're not really sure what baby step to take, let me give you a few examples. Maybe you're here today and you believe in Jesus, but you've never gotten baptized. Guess what your next baby step is? It's to get baptized. I don't say get baptized. How many of you guys know baptism is not a big, giant step? Oh, it's such a big step. It is not a big step. It is a simple baby step. It's not some graduation where you're like, no more questions, no more problems, I'm perfect. No, not at all. It's simply saying, I need Jesus in my life and I want to follow him. That is all that's about. I need a savior. His name is Jesus. Amen. And so if you, you know, say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but you refuse persistently to get baptized and you say, oh, I'm not ready. I know it's been 15 years, but I'm still not ready. Then one of two things is happening. Number one is you misunderstand what baptism is. That's not a graduation. It's just a beginning. Number two is that maybe Jesus is not in your heart after all. Is that maybe, you know, maybe you got to question whether you really do believe in Jesus. Because if you believe in Jesus and Jesus says, okay, get baptized, and oh, I'm not sure. Then do you really believe in Jesus? And so here's the thing. If you don't have, if you gotten, haven't gotten baptized, but you believe in Jesus, your next baby step, believe in Jesus and get baptized. Amen. Amen. One, another one is going on missions. Maybe that's your next baby step. Is that you just, it's not a year, it's not your whole life, but you're just going to go for a couple weeks. Go to another country. Go and serve people in a way you haven't before. It's taking a baby step. I'm going to say baby step. Maybe the baby step is how you worship God in church. Is that maybe you're one of those guys who loves to put their hands in their pockets and to fold their arms when everyone else is singing. You're like, oh, oh yeah, this song. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, pastor says lift your hands. You're like, oh. Can I tell you this? If you want to take a baby step, lift your hands high to God. Say, God, I surrender to you. God, I welcome you. God, I need you in my life. That's why we lift up our hands. And so maybe that's the next baby step you need to take. Maybe it's to tithe. It's to say, God, I want to put you first in my finances. I want to trust you that when I seek your kingdom first, that you will add everything that I need. That when I give you the first part of my wealth, the first 10% of my wealth, that you will add everything I need and more. That is a baby step. Everyone say baby step. Rick Warren, he's a pastor in the States and a mentor for me. What does he say? He says this. He says, a small step of progression is a thousand times better than a delayed step of perfection. Perfectionism procrastinates and paralyzes progress. There's a lot of P's, isn't it? What, what's it saying? It's saying that don't, if you're talking about doing baby steps, don't wait until your circumstances are perfect. Don't wait until everything is ideal. When you, there's no, no more problems, no more questions. But what you do, you take a step and you take another step because that's how you progress. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Number two, follow the nudge of the Holy Spirit. If you want to experience more of God and go out of your way to experience him, then follow the nudge of the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? 
See, when you have a relationship with Jesus, when you invite Jesus into your heart, he, by his Holy Spirit, comes into your life. And now you've got this holy resident on the inside of you who's your counselor, who's your comforter, who's your friend, who's, who's your best friend. And, and he's there guiding you. He's there directing you. That doesn't mean that you're God. It, seems, it simply means that God by his spirit is now living with you on the inside of you. And, and that, that's why the Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's because you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you. And see, how many of us know that you might have the Holy Spirit in you, but that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit controls you wherever you go. You know, it's not like, you know, he, he forces you to go to places you don't want to go. He forces you to do things you don't want to do. No, that's not how, how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Everyone say, a gentleman. Are you sitting beside a gentleman right now? Maybe you are, but you've got a gentleman inside you. You've got a gentleman inside you. His name is the Holy Spirit. And having us know this is that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force his will upon you, but he will nudge you from time to time. He will nudge you in certain directions. And one of the directions he will nudge you in is to go out of your way to spend more time with him. Have you ever felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit before? In times when you didn't expect it, you weren't asking for it, but then all of a sudden you sense in your heart a nudge. Hey, spend more time with me. You know, on Monday, I was at the gym, and uh, I was parking the car in the parking lot. And all of a sudden, as I'm parking, I just sense this nudge from the Holy Spirit, almost like God was saying, spend time with me. And I was like, you know, I had my gym gear on, uh, you know, it was cold outside. And I was like, oh, no, I, 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 I guess I wanted to go to the gym. And um, but then I thought, okay, Holy Spirit's nudging me. Maybe I'll just try to pray in the car a little bit right now. And so, like, I, I, I turned off the ignition, and I put my hands underneath my thighs because it was kind of cold. And I just started to pray, but it was really cold. And so I was like, oh, no, I can't do this. Let me go find another place to pray some t- somewhere in the community center. So I walk over, I run over to the community center, and I'm looking for a place to pray. I'm starting to open doors, but I can't find a door where I can go through that's not locked. And then I see, oh, there's a ping pong room, but there's old men playing ping pong, so I don't want to go there. Uh, you know, I I'll go to the gym, and there's all these people doing a class. I can't go in there. You know, I find, like, go into the fitness center where, you know, I do all my working out. And, like, I'm like, okay, let me just find a mat somewhere where I can just kind of sit there and pray, you know, while people stretch. But then every mat was taken. And I was like, oh, I can't go there. I, I said, okay, maybe I'll go on a treadmill, and I'll just kind of, you know, just kind of pretend I'm using a treadmill, but I'll be praying. But then, as I'm on the treadmill, the the the, the screen on the treadmill keeps flashing uh, all these pictures that I don't want to see, and I'm like, oh man, I can't do it here. Finally, I go into the foyer of the community center. I sit down on one of those big couches, and I and then I'm trying to pray, but then all I can hear is Ed Sheeran uh, singing, "I'm in love with your body." I'm in love with the body. I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't focus on anything right now. And, and so as a result, you know, at the end of it, I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just go work out already. Maybe I should just go to the gym and work out because, you know, this is not working out. And, um, like, I, I, I went into the gym. And then as I'm opening the door and going to the gym, I sense the Holy Spirit say, spend time with me. And all of a sudden, there are these two verses that came to my mind that I hadn't talked about or thought about in a while. And uh, there are these two verses that I stored up in my heart years ago. One of them is Psalm, uh, what, Psalm 42, verse 2. Read it with me. What does it say? It says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And there's another one, Psalm 27. What does it say? It says, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. See, this is David writing. And he says, my heart says of you, seek his face. In other words, the Holy Spirit inside of him is nudging David to go, hey, spend time with me seek his face. 
And so David responds and says, your face, Lord, I will seek. And as I'm going into the gym, I just sense the Holy Spirit kind of whisper those verses into my heart. My heart says, if you seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. And I was like, okay, let's go. And so I, I got out of the gym. I went back into my car, and I went all the way back home. And I spent time with God. And it was the most awesome, intimate time with God that I'd spent in a very, very long time where the presence of God was so thick, and God spoke to my heart words that meant a whole lot, and where you know, I got new ideas for new things, and was so refreshed, and, and so renewed, and so at peace, and so strengthened in ways that a workout in the gym could never strengthen me. If you believe that, say amen. And it's all because we took a little baby step. It's all because we followed the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And see, here's the thing. God doesn't want you to pigeonhole him. As if, oh yeah, God, your time is like the first 15 minutes of my day, or the last 15 minutes of my night, or the first three or two hours of my Sunday morning. God doesn't want you to pigeonhole him. If God is truly the Lord of your life, what that means is he has the right to interrupt you at any time of the day. If you believe, say amen. And see, here's the thing. Some of you, you are very regimented now in your time with God especially after the game time challenge. You have a, a very set workout program, and that is a good thing. I don't want to mess with that. That's a good habit to have. But here's the thing. This coming week, if you sense a nudge from the Holy Spirit to pray at a time when you didn't intend to pray, go and follow that nudge. This coming week, if you sense a nudge from the Holy Spirit to read the word at a time when you weren't planning to read the word, go ahead and follow that nudge. Even if it means interrupting your schedule, even if it means doing something you're not used to doing, go ahead and follow that nudge. Because whenever you follow the nudge of the Holy Spirit, it always leads to greater intimacy with him. It always leads to your faith and your heart expanding. It always leads to your life changing. And sometimes, in some cases, it changes other people's lives too. If you believe that, say amen. Isaiah 30, verse 21 says it this way. Read it with a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Let me ask you this question, because you're probably asking this question right now. Well, how do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? How do I know if it's the Holy Spirit? Well, here's the thing. Here at Thrive, if you call Thrive Church, your home church, and you've been here long enough, you know the answer to this question, because we teach this in Thrive Disciple School Level 2 where we talk about how do you know if it's the Holy Spirit. We give you four clues on how you know it's the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to really quickly go through them. We go through them in a lot more detail in TDS2. I encourage you, if you haven't taken it yet, to sign up for that and make sure you take it. But four clues that something is from the Holy Spirit. Number one, a nudge from the Holy Spirit is always consistent with the Word of God. In other words, God has already spoken through his word, the Bible, scripture. God, his Holy Spirit, will never nudge you to do something that is contrary to the Bible. And so the Holy Spirit will never say to you, go and sleep with your girlfriend. I know you're not married, but just go. It's fun. It feels so right. It can't be wrong. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never tell you, go grab a weapon and go shoot down people that you don't like. He will never tell you to do that. Because he is someone who speaks in a way that's consistent with the word of God. If you believe it, say amen. Number two, number two, a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit always promotes the character of Christ in you. See, God is in the business of making you more like his son, Jesus. That's why we say E is for expectant. We want to become Christ-like disciples. A nudge from the Holy Spirit is where he nudges you in a direction that is more like Jesus, where you become more courageous, where you become more resilient, where you become more patient, more persevering, wiser, more loving, kinder, more forgiving. It's in the direction of Jesus that he points you in. So he will never point you in a direction that is selfish, 
He will never point you in a direction where it's about you and only you. He will always point you in the direction of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. Number three, a nudge from the Holy Spirit is often accompanied by peace. You might be, you know, a little bit kind of nervous because it's maybe something you haven't done. But there's still, when you pray about it, when you give it to God, you sense peace in your heart because God is there. Number four, a nudge from the Holy Spirit will often be affirmed by your spiritual leaders. Praise God that we don't have to do this journey by ourselves. We're not an island unto ourselves. But when you believe in Jesus, you become part of his family. And as a family, we are a body of Christ. And when you have leaders in your life that you can talk to and go, hey, I, I got the sense about, you know, maybe God wants to do this or maybe Holy Spirit's nudging me in this way. What do you think? You have, praise God, pastors, small group leaders, friends that you can bounce us off of. Go, yeah, that, I think that might be the Holy Spirit. Because usually when God is talking to you, he's not just talking to just you. Praise God. You know, every time I get a nudge from the Holy Spirit, you know, in those times when I've followed that nudge, I've never regretted it. And every time I get a nudge, excuse me, from the Holy Spirit, and I don't follow it and I ignore it, I always regret it. Even yesterday, there was a nudge where we were having dinner, my wife, uh, my son and I, and, and there, was, there was a lady who was eating by herself and she was coughing a lot. My first reaction was, oh man, like, you know, germs. Oh, I don't want to get sick. I don't want my family to get sick. But then I, I just felt a, a small nudge to go, hey, why don't you pay for her dinner? But then she got it pretty quickly and she left. And I was like, oh man, I missed an opportunity. And I regret that. I regret that. See, this is the thing. You will always regret it when you miss a nudge of the Holy Spirit. But when you get a nudge from the Holy Spirit and you follow it, it always leads to good things. If you believe it, say amen. Why don't you write this down? How much you experience God in your life, how much you grow spiritually, depends on how quickly and often you respond to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. See, maybe you've been a Christian for many, many years, but you are basically still in the same place that you have been when you first stepped into a church. And it's because, it's not because you don't know a lot of Bible. It's because, it's not because God doesn't love you. It's because you've not really responded to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you today, it's time to respond to the nudge of the Holy Spirit. It's time to follow this gentleman that God has placed inside you so that you can become everything that God made it to be. If I'm making sense in this place, if God is good, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. Turn your neighbor, give him a high five and say, follow the nudge. Follow the nudge. Has this been helpful for you today? Last thing we're going to close. If you want to go out of your way to meet with God, the third thing I'm going to encourage you to do this coming month is dedicate time to fasting and praying. Dedicate time to fasting and praying. Maybe you've never fasted before. Maybe you're not even sure what fasting is. Let's talk about that real quick right now. One of my favorite definitions of fasting is by Pastor Ronnie Floyd who says it this way. He says, fasting is abstaining from food with a spiritual goal in mind. It is when I pursue the God of heaven to do something powerful and supernatural in and through my life. And see, fasting is not a hunger strike. It's not going, hell no, we won't go to God. That's not what you're saying. It's not you trying to twist God's arm to get God to do something he doesn't want to do. It's us surrendering to God and bending toward him. Fasting is not, you know, about trying to impress people and look at, oh, look how spiritual I am. It's about us humbling ourselves before God. Fasting is not just dieting. It's not just starvation where you're just trying to lose weight. I'm not calling you to a diet where you change your body. I'm here to call you to a fast that's going to change your heart. Amen. 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 Fasting is about giving God room to work powerfully in your life. You know, as much as I love to eat, and I do love to eat, 
I can't deny this, was that the greatest, most important breakthroughs that have ever happened in my life and in my relationship with God have come through a time of prayer and fasting. I don't know if we would have Thrive Church if there was no, wasn't no times of prayer and fasting. And see, here's the thing. Um, I could tell you about different experiences I've had. I've shared them with you, but I'm going to do something uh, else today. I'm going to share with you the experiences of some other people in our church and what their fasting experience was like the last time that we fasted together as a church in August. This is what one person wrote. This person wrote, I started fasting with no expectations of God. I knew that my heart had been running in so many different directions. This fast helped me recenter my focus, recalibrate my mind, and gave me a chance to wait on God and not on my circumstances. Every time I felt a hunger pang, I prayed, I called on God, and I recognized how weak my flesh is. This closeness with God was exactly what I needed. Come on, give God a big, big hand for that. That's pretty cool. Here's another one. It says, uh, Because of the fast, my understanding of who God is has deepened. My understanding of the Bible has also improved. Then one another person wrote, they wrote, During the fast, there were times when I felt weak, but once I cried out, Help me, Jesus, I felt strength immediately and was able to go through the day with a lot of energy, even more than if I had eaten. Jesus' name was better than food. It made me realize how powerful the name of Jesus is. It also gave me an excuse to retreat during the lunch hour. Instead of eating lunch and socializing with coworkers as usual, I could go to a quiet place and just read and dwell in God's presence. If you believe that, say amen. Another one said, During the fast, I felt God telling me to pray more and experience Him more every day. God touched me a lot during my fast, and I experienced stronger intimacy with Him during the fast. The prayer meetings were great as I experienced God's presence and had the opportunity to confess my sins and ask God to fill me more each day. Last one. Uh, I'll be sharing more with you over the weeks to come, but this one, he says, I definitely felt that I drew closer to God through this fast. His presence filled me up every day, and I was constantly reminded that he was present and there for me and thinking about me. I felt that my concerns and questions were alleviated from my chest and directly placed into God's hands. Can we give God a big hand for all the ways that he worked in our last church-wide fast? Come on, if you're going to give God a big hand, give him a big hand in this place. Come on. And why do I share these testimonies with you? It's because as a church, we're going to get ready for our next time of fasting together. We call it the God and Me Experience Fast. March 19 to March 21, we're going to be fasting together as a church. What days you fast is up to you. In fact, if we, if you've never fasted before, you know, we encourage you to maybe start off slow, but we want to encourage those of you who are used to fasting to fast at least more than a day. At least more, everyone say at least more than a day. In fact, actually, if you're young in this place, and we say that at Thrive, we're all 8, 18, or 28, you're all young, is that I encourage you, unless there are health issues that prevent you from doing so, I encourage everyone to fast at least one full day, not just a meal. Don't just do a meal, please. Do more than a meal. Go see if you can do a full day of fasting together. And what we're going to do is we're going to fast and draw near to God. And the whole purpose of the God and me experience fast is so that you can experience more of God in your life. Maybe you're going through a new season, getting ready for a new season. You're going on a mission trip. You're starting a new job, starting a new business, new initiative coming that you're you're, you're, you're handling. And you know that you need God as you go into this new season. You need to fast and pray. Maybe you're here in this place and you're 
make an important decision about your future, you need to fast and pray. Maybe you're here in this place and you're going through a spiritual rut right now where you know, you're just kind of going through the spiritual blahs and you're just like, spiritually. You need to fast and pray right now. Maybe things are going well for you. You don't have really anything to worry about, but you just want more of God. You need to fast and pray. We're going to do this together as a church. Are you excited for the God and me experience fast? Let's give God a big, big hand here in this place for the God and me experience fast. Give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. Come on. How do you do the God and me experience fast really quick? Number one, fill out and hand in the God and me experience fast sign-up card that's on your chair right now. Guess what? It's on your chair right now. And you've got a really good, awesome pen that you can use as well. And if you take it home, uh, I won't be, uh, I won't hold that against you. It's a, you know, it's 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 uh, an awesome pen, but it's a really good sign up card too. We use the sign up card to fill that out to sign up for the God and Me Experience Fast. You can tell us what days we'll be fasting. We'll be sending you a, a guide to help you on your fasting as well. Number two, read Pastor JB's daily game sharing emails every morning. I'm going to give you some scripture you can focus on, a song you can listen to, uh, some prayers you can pray and it's going to help you to go through the fasting period number three instead of eating what you're going to do is you're going to use that time to pray and draw near to god instead of having you know you know your 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 lunch you're going to just use that time to pray and draw near to god number four join thrive for our nightly prayer meetings you know over the times that we've fasted here at church uh here at thrive people over and over again say that their favorite part of their fast is when we get together to pray is that those times when we go to prayer meetings together and we can pray together and support one another, people always over and over say that that was the best part of the fast. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And so we encourage you to to join us for every one of our prayer meetings, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, where we're going to pray together and draw near to God. Are you guys excited for the God and Me Experience Fast? Are you guys going to do the God and Me Experience Fast? Yeah? Will you join me in that? It's going to be awesome. You're not going to regret it. It's going to be a chance for you to experience God and go out of your way to meet with Him. And so let's do that together. Let's end by looking at Joel chapter 1, verse 14. What does it say? It says it, read it with a loud voice. One, two, three, it says, Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Keep on going. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to Him there. Praise God. Here in this place, I'm looking at leaders that God has called. Every single one of you is a leader in God's kingdom, an alive, expectant, involved, out loud, and united leader. And I'm going to call all of us here from March 19 to March 21 to fast together, to draw near to God. It's going to be an amazing way for us to go out of our way to experience more of God. If you believe that, give God a big hand in this place. Give him a shout as well. Come on. Close. I'm going to invite you to respond to God today. I'm not here to give you information. I'm here to lead you in a transformation that the Holy Spirit makes possible. And so right now, I'm going to ask you this question. See, today we've been learning that we, when we go out of our way to meet with God, we experience more of Him than ever before. When we go out of our way to meet with God, we touch His heart. We bless Him more. When we go out of our way to meet with God, we treasure Him more. When we go out of our way to meet with God, He shares more of Himself with us. And when we go out of our way to meet with God, He allows us to experience more of Him because we've given Him more room to work in our lives. Here in this place, if you realize today that you need to go out of your way to meet with God more, that you don't want just to stay in the same place that you're in, but you know that you need to do some practical things to go out of your way to meet with God more so you can touch His heart, so you can experience more of Him, then why don't you raise your hand to God right now as just your response to God today. Don't wait for me to count to three. Just start raising your hand to God right now. Start raising your hand high to heaven right now. He's here. He loves you. He's watching. He's listening. 
want you to raise your hand right now to God. And just from your heart, just start talking to God right now. In your own words, from your heart. Just start talking to God right now. And let's just, from your heart, let's fill this place with our prayers and our thanks to God. That he's a God who goes out of, our, out of his way to meet with us. So let's go out of our way right now to meet with him. Don't worry about what the person on your right or your left is doing. You just focus on God right now. You just focus on what God is doing right now. You just focus on him right now. Just start talking to him right now. Come on, church. Come on, team. Just talking to God right now. Thank you, Jesus. From your heart, start talking to him right now. Go out of your way to talk to him right now. Go out of your way to give him praise right now. Go out of your way to worship him right now. Go out of your way to talk to him right now. Say, God, I want to go out of my way. I want to go out of my way. Don't just want to do what's convenient. Don't want to do what's what's just easy. I want to go out of my way. I want to experience you more. I want to experience you more. Don't just want to be someone who has got my hands in my pockets all the time. I want to be someone who lifts my hands high to you. Don't just want to be someone who just works on my feelings and relies on my feelings. I want to be someone who trusts in you. I want to trust in you more. I want to experience you more. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Don't just want to be someone who folds his arms in front of you but someone who lifts his hands high to you Jesus come Jesus come Jesus come why don't you pray this prayer with me right now you say Heavenly Father thank you for how you go out of your way to love me I want to give you not just love that's convenient or love that costs me nothing I want to give you love that's out of the way because I want to bless your heart I want to touch you I want to know you more I want to treasure you more I want to experience more of you and so Holy Spirit would you come may I be quick to sense when you're nudging me may I be quick to follow you when you nudge thank you so much for going out of your way to love me I want to go out of my way to love you and I'm going to experience you more than ever before in Jesus name I pray amen amen give God a big hand here in this place right now come on give us some praise